Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from our guest speaker. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Today, uh, I'm very happy to uh, allow a friend to come. And uh, Eris is uh, the tour guide that I use when we go to Israel. And uh, many of you already know him because you've been on trips. And he's just an amazing young man. Uh, he's 40 years old now. Uh, so I met him when he was in his 30s. Uh, no, probably, probably early 30s. And he just had his fourth child uh, six weeks ago. And I'm thinking, this is, a, this is a unique way to get out of diaper duty and uh, midnight feedings by going out of the country. <laughs> so he's come to be with us, and, um, and we're so thankful for him coming to share with us and hearing firsthand. Uh, he's going to give you a taste of, of what we'll learn when we go on our trip. We're going in September. In fact, at the end of this service, Ares and I'll be here at the front and, uh, and if you just want to ask questions, if you want to hear a little bit more, just come up here and just, we'll just spend all the time you want to uh, with you and try to answer any of your questions that you have. But I want, I want to tell you, Israel, when you're there in person, it changes how you read the Bible. Absolutely changes how you read the Bible. You see it differently. It comes alive to you. You realize these aren't just words on a page. These are living words. This stuff really happened. And uh, Ares is going to sh- just share some archaeological things that they've recently found that uh, once again prove that the Bible is accurate. So without any more, wasting any more of his time, Ares, will you come and join me on stage? So let's welcome my friend uh, to Gateway today. Okay, thank you very much, Pastor Don, and thank you so much for your everybody's hospitality. What a blessing to be here on this. It's a beautiful, warm day outside, but inside it's a, a warm hospitality and that I'm enjoying from all of you folks. So thank you very much for inviting me. Uh, yes, I came from Galilee. My home is on the Sea of Galilee, uh, adjacent to the uh, cities that once stood of Capernaum, Bethsaida, Chorazim. That's my neighborhood. And um, we come and... Uh, I wanted to give you a little bit of an introduction, a little bit of a taste of what it means to come out to the land of Israel in the footsteps of pilgrimage, uh, to come and find a land uh, which is a spiritual journey, of course, as much as it is a physical journey, uh, and to really connect to some of those texts like uh, Pastor Don uh, was, exp- was, uh, was outlining. So to do that, uh, I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of take a one step back into kind of looking over the bigger picture, the wider picture. Let's go up onto our uh, first slide. And here we have the land of Israel with its ancient name, Canaan. Canaan uh, perched in the cradle of civilization amongst the ancient empires that would rise in Mesopotamia between the two great rivers in the north of the Euphrates and the Tigris, all the way down to the uh, lands of the Nile, the floodplains of the Nile, ancient Egypt. What is Canaan or Israel essentially in the context of the ancient world, we are highway number one. We are the land bridge. We are the, uh, the main highway of trade uh, in days of peace. But of course, 
uh, armies and conquerors uh, in days of war. And anyone who's anyone and everyone who's anyone that passes through the ancient world will pass through the land of Canaan. And what does that mean we find? We find in the relics of thousands of years of uh, history uh, all across our land. Uh, Israel today is a country of the size of the state of New Jersey. And packed into that tiny country, we have more than 30,000 designated archaeological sites. Those are the designated archaeological sites. It doesn't include my backyard, which is also an archaeological site, but it's mine, so nobody can touch it. So we have all the relics of, uh, human, uh, of history uh, down below our feet. And inside that history, we also have our story and the footsteps of covenant. Because if you look over on the far left-hand side, under the ancient city of Sumer, one of the, most, one of the first cities of uh, civilizations, you find the city of Ur. Ur. That's where the father, the highest father, in Hebrew father is Av. A high place is Ram. Put Av and Ram together, what do you get? Abraham. And so Avram is going to start his journeys in Ur. It's going to make a path, which is a very well-trodden path across the ancient world, as far north as the Haran. If you look up above Padam Aram, you'll find the ancient city of Haran, and then down into the land of Canaan. And when the food runs out in Canaan, where do we all go? To Egypt. So you can see that, of course, this ancient world from its entire breadth, from north to south, from east to west, is part of our story. And inside those footsteps, we find not just trade routes and the Via Maris, the way of the sea and the roads to ancient Egypt. We also find the footsteps of uh, Abraham, uh, Isaac and Jacob. And uh, that's something that we're going to pick up as we make a Holy Land tour. What does it actually mean to be on a Holy Land tour? It's to take the land and it's to take the scripture and to marry them together to find not just text, but rather context to what it means to be walking in the scriptures. And so that's something that I wanted to outline to you a little bit further as we make our way uh, through, the, uh, through, the, uh, through the presentation. If the coastal plain of Israel is the story of ancient trade, then the hills of Judea is the story of rising. Where do you rise to? You rise to a high place. You rise to Jerusalem. Indeed, in Hebrew, there's no such thing as saying, I'm going to Jerusalem. You can't say, I'm going to Jerusalem. You have to say, I am rising to Jerusalem. In Judaism, we have three aliyot, aliyah in Hebrew is to rise. One is the Torah scrolls, for example. To come and make a reading from the Torah scrolls is to make an aliyah, to rise to the Torah. To go to the land of Israel, and please God, many of us together will go together to the land of Israel in September, that is to make an aliyah, is to rise to the land of Israel. And to rise to Jerusalem is to make an aliyah. And what do we find perched up on the hill country? We find a city of pilgrimage. Let's give you a little bit of a taste as to what that looks and feels like as we make our way on a drone uh, that we've embedded inside our presentation. Here is the ancient part of Jerusalem. You see that there are the old city walls up ahead of us, but those are 500-year-old walls. If you're looking for the 5,000 years of history, 4,000 years of written history that we have in one of the top 10 ancient cities of the world, which is Jerusalem, then you have to come into this area down here, perched between the Kidron Valley out in the east and the inner valleys of Jerusalem. And that's the city of David. One of the 70 names of Jerusalem is the city of David. That's where David is going to conquer a Jebusite Canaanite city in the 10th century before the Common Era. 
We have plenty of archaeology in the city of David. I'm going to talk about some today, but you can see the archaeological sites as we make our way through. And as we go beyond and into what is the old city of today, we find the relics of the Temple Mount, King Herod's Temple. That's the largest standing platform of the ancient world, twice the size of the Forum in Rome. And below it, you can see that there are the rocks on the, on the relics of rocks there. That's the relics of not one rock left upon another. So when we walk inside Jerusalem, we're not just going to see history, we're going to see prophecy, right? The, the destruction of Jerusalem, not one rock left upon another. This is the text that's going to uh, come to life. Now we take our way into the old city of Jerusalem, the four quarters. The Jewish quarter has to be rebuilt since the 1967 war. That's the story that we have in Jerusalem of destruction and rebuilding. The last uh, decade of which, the last time of which is since the 1970s. And the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in the, in the Christian quarter, you can see ahead of us there, that is one of two sites representing the crucifixion and the burial. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the traditions around the crucifixion and the burial. The Temple Mount, the peak of Mount Moriah, which is where the 2,000-year-old temple would have stood, the same temple that Jesus would have been three times a year. When do we come to Jerusalem? Passover, Pentecost, Feast of Tabernacles. And Jesus is in the city of Jerusalem, each one of those three occasions. And we'll pick that up inside the text that we'll find. But the, uh, today's structures, 1,300-year-old Muslim structures that we have on the Temple Mount, sitting on the same peak of Mount Moriah that once stood the temple in the days of King Herod. Across the way, you can see the Mount of Olives, the 70,000 Judean graves with the Palm Sunday Road and some of the churches that represent the entrance to Jerusalem that we'll cover as we make our way through the footsteps of pilgrimage. So Jerusalem has always been a city of pilgrimage, and that's what it means to be a pilgrim today, is to walk up, to arise to Jerusalem, to make your aliyah, and to find inside Jerusalem the relics of what it means to find the time of Jesus as well. Let's go to the next slide. and uh, This is a good, good example of the three worlds, the three realms that you meet with each footstep that you make as a pilgrim in Jerusalem. You're going to meet traditions. We're going to talk about plenty of traditions along the way. You're going to meet history. When I say history, I mean specifically archaeology. And you're going to meet the uh, scripture, of course, as we walk in the footsteps of the text. A good example is the picture that you have up here on the top left-hand side. That's there is a relic of a pool, a 1,500-year-old pool. 1,500 years ago is the Byzantine era, 300 years after the life of Jesus, that the Byzantines believed that this pool that you can see, relics of it there, is the pool of Siloam. And for a millennia and a half, people would come to this pool in order to find the pool of Siloam to relate to John chapter 9, the healing of the blind man at the pool of Siloam. We will also, in our tour, reach that pool, the traditional site, because we're going to come out of that archway that you can see just behind the pool. That archway is the exit from a 2,700-year-old water system, which belongs to the days of King Hezekiah, which is one of the 22 stories that we have in Jerusalem of siege, but not one of the 44 stories of conquest, because in the days of Hezekiah will come Sennacherib, the Assyrian who will never conquer the city. We're talking about the days of Isaiah. Those of you that join us on our tour, you can actually walk with your spotlight, with your flashlight through that dark uh, 1,500 feet long tunnel in order to make your way through where the ancient waters are still flowing today, 2,700 years of waters that are flowing. And as we make our way through the Hezekiah um, tunnel, we will also meet the ancient Canaanite water systems, 1,000 years older than Hezekiah. So we have something like 2,700 years of, uh, sorry, 3,700 years of relics of ancient water systems. 
I can show you the, even the chisel marks on the wall from the 3,700-year-old Canaanites that were chiseling their way out of the city to go and find their water sources in days of war. That's as old as the days of Abraham. That's as old as the days of Genesis. That's Melchizedek, right? With meeting Abraham in the King's Valley for a glass of wine and a piece of bread, maybe the first example you can find of a communion out in the King's Valley with the statement of monotheism. So we have the very uh, earliest of relics of Jerusalem that is part of our uh, covenant and uh, the footsteps of Melchizedek is something that I would be looking forward to show you. But the pool is indeed a traditional site. You have to wait until 2004 when the sewage system in East Jerusalem got all blocked and the JCBs had to come down to release the sewage system only for them to find that they have a rock-hewn uh, pool with the steps that you can see on the left-hand side. They call the archaeologists in order to come and find out what this rock-hewn pool and carries out an archaeological dig since 2004, which now finds the actual pool of Siloam. So now you can actually sit on the same rock, on the same pavements that John chapter 9 took place. Jerusalem is a city of pilgrimage, and wherever we find this 2,000-year-old pilgrims from the days of Jesus, we have an opportunity to connect to the text, and here we have it at the Pool of Siloam. The excavations continued even beyond the pool itself and climbed all the way up the hill like you saw in the drone, taking you to the Temple Mount. Those are the ancient routes, not just the pilgrims, that's one of the ancient routes of priests, because the high priest, we read, seven times over the seven days of the Feast of Tabernacles is going to make a journey from the pool of Siloam, bringing the waters of the Siloam to the temple, to the uh, sacrificial altar, where he will give the uh, prayers, the blessings for rain. We read about that happening in the Feast of Tabernacles. And in the seventh chapter of the book of John, we read of Jesus in the streets of Jerusalem, calling out, if you're looking for living water, Come to me. So here we have the footsteps of priests, high priests. One of the relics we have in Jerusalem is even a pomegranate, gold pomegranate bell, part of the outer garments of the high priest, 72 bells that we know from the outer garments of the bells. And so those are the kind of relics of what it means to go into Jerusalem and to stand actually where the site took place. The difference between the real pool, by the way, and the traditional pool is about 30 meters about 30 meters away from one, from one another. But you have an opportunity to come and walk in Jerusalem and to find not just the traditional sites, but the historical sites wherever we can find them. Let's go on to the next slide because we don't have any lack of traditional uh, traditions that line the passageway of uh, Jerusalem. We're going to make our way down the Palm Sunday Road. The Palm Sunday Road is the picture here on the left-hand side where we will meet traditional sites like Domus Flevit, the Tear of the Lord, Jesus weeping over Jerusalem, just like David a thousand years earlier had wept over Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. We're going to make our way through the uh, traditional sites. So, sorry, we make our way to the bottom of the uh, Palm Sunday Road. We arrive at Gethsemane. We have some private time for a, a reflection, prayer, a devotion that takes place in the gardens of Gethsemane. That's a very important part of our, uh, of our tour, of course. 
And then we will pick up the traditions that take us through the Via della Rosa, right? A set of stations set in the, 19, in the 14th century. Uh, here's an example of one of them uh, below me here, the station number nine, which takes us to the traditional site of the burial and the crucifixion according to the Eastern and uh, different do not Catholic denominations, which is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. You can see up on top. But to the right-hand side, we have the garden tomb where we're going to celebrate communion. So indeed, in Jerusalem, when you walk with passageways of tradition, it means that we have two sites that represent the crucifixion and the burial. Like we have two sites that represent the upper room for the Last Supper. Like we have one grave in the Mount of Olives that depending as to who you ask, there's four different people inside that grave. So you can imagine that many footsteps that we take in the passageways of pilgrimage have the influences of the thousands of years of traditions that have been built up. What we're really interested to give you an introduction to is some of the historical relics that take us into the biblical text. So if we go on to the next slide, by the way, that's Chaim Topel giving a verse of tradition. I was going to sing it for you, but now I'm a bit too shy. It's okay. The, um, the excavations in the old city of, in the city of David, which is not inside the walls, it's that little uh, valley that you saw, uh, that little ridge, sorry, that you saw perched up above the Kidron Valley. Those excavations that have been going on for uh, 160 years, it's actually one of the most excavated sites in the world in terms of per meter squared. And in 2007, so not that long ago, uh, the archaeologists were working in uh, the summer 2007, over three months of uh, the dig that took place there, and they came across these two seals. What you see, the picture at the top is uh, big so that you can view it, but in real life, those clay seals are the size of your thumbnail. Okay, in real life. If you put them underneath a magnifying glass and you go to the university for three years and study ancient Hebrew, then you can come and you can read them because they have ancient Hebrew text inside them. And that's what they do in 2007. They find these two seals, one next to the other, not even 10 feet away from one another, inside nearly half a, um, half a meter of ash and debris dating 2,586 years ago. And they come and they read these seals. So on the left-hand side, it's written, you ready? Gedeliao, the son of Pashur. Gedeliao, the son of Pashur. And I look into your eyes and I see, who? The other one, the second one, is written, Yuchal, the son of Shlemiah. Yuchal, the son of Shlemiah. And I look into your eyes and I see, who? So where can I find out a little bit of information? 2,586-year-old seals, the documents went up in flames, they made a parchment. The clay seals survived the eternity. Where can I find a little bit of context as to who are these two names that come out of the bedrock of Jerusalem in the excavations of 2007? Well, then I need to go to the prophet who is in Jerusalem in the days of the destruction of Babylon. And who is the prophet that is going to uh, call out to the city that this city will fall? The prophet that has such bad news for the city that the last Judean king at the time, King Tzidkiah, Zedekiah, sends four court ears to go and kill him, to get rid of him, to shut him up, to throw him into a pit. And in the 38th chapter of the book of Jeremiah, we read about those four court ears. And out of those four court ears, two of them 
are these guys. Shephatiah, the son of Matan, Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, Yuchal, the son of Shlemiah, and Pashur, son of Malkiah, heard what Jeremiah was telling all the people when he said, this is what the Lord says. Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine, or plague. But whoever goes over to the Babylonians will live. They will escape with their lives. They will live. And this is what the Lord says. This city will certainly be given into the hands of the army of the king of Babylon who will capture it. So that's really cool, right? Because now, not only do we have Yuchal, the son of Shlemiah, and Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, found one next to the other in 2,586-year-old relics of destruction and debris, we have Yuchal, the son of Shlemiah, Gedaliah, the son of Pashur, sitting one next to the other in the book of Jeremiah. So that's what it means to go into Jerusalem, guys, to find the Bible falling out of the city, out of the relics of the city. We have 667 mentions of Jerusalem in the Hebrew Tanakh, in the Hebrew Bible. And now inside Jerusalem, we have some of the most ancient biblical scripture ever found. For example, two amulets, 2,600 years old, word for word, the priestly blessing. Numbers chapter 6. The same priestly blessing that's recited in churches and synagogues to this very day is coming out of the ancient burial caves of Jerusalem. So it's really an awesome opportunity for you to marry the land and the relics of this land with the scripture and with the uh, scripture that you know. Ju- Jerusalem, uh, sorry, Jeremiah shows us that the city of Jerusalem is not just a city of history, it's also a city of prophecy. Because, of course, the prophecy continues that 70 years later, the Jews will return and to rebuild the city. And that's part of the, uh, what it means to walk in the streets of Jerusalem today, to find that destruction and rebuilding uh, generations after generations. So let's make our way onto the, uh, onto the next slide. One of the things we don't find in the city of Jerusalem, in the city of David even, at the moment, is a relic that says, hey, I'm David, and this is my palace. We don't find it. We find a palace. We find a 3,000-year-old palace. We don't find a written account of David inside the city of Jerusalem. It hasn't been found to date. <laughs> so if I'm looking for David, I can find all kinds of relics and all kinds of uh, uh, forms of destruction. But if I'm looking for David, maybe what I need to do is to walk and to look at the footsteps of Jesus in order to find the footsteps of David. Because I took you to the Pool of Siloam just a moment ago in the slide, and that is the healing of the blind man in John chapter 9. But Jesus carries out two healings in Jerusalem, both of which are at pools. On the same day that we visit the Pool of Siloam, we will visit also the Pool of Bethesda. And in John chapter 5, Jesus carries out the healing of the paralyzed man. So here we have two healings, one of the blind, one of the paralyzed, taking place at the pools, at the waters of Jerusalem. And you came looking for the footsteps of Jesus, but actually we are also, of course, in the footsteps of David. Because when we go on to the next slide and we read 
as to how David conquers the ancient city 3,000 years ago from the Jebusites, the Canaanites, who have fortified their city and have the blind and the lame defending their city, then we find the footsteps of David inside the waterworks of Jerusalem. And that's exactly the context that we find later on with Jesus a thousand years later. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, you will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They thought David cannot get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. On that day, David had said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water to reach those lame and blind who are David's enemies. This is why they say the, the blind and the lame will not enter the palace. So here's an opportunity for you to connect, not just to his story, David, or to history, ancient relics, but to your story. To come to make Aliyah to Jerusalem and to find the city of David is to find the footsteps of Jesus, to find the footsteps of what it means to be in amongst the, uh, inside the text. And that's something that means that you are essentially experiencing the roots of the faith. You are experiencing the roots of Jesse. You have the opportunity to walk uh, in the same passageways that once David's conquerors would enter Jerusalem, just like you have the opportunity to read John chapters 5 and John chapter 9 in amongst the relics of ancient Jerusalem. That's an awesome opportunity, guys. And it, I really, I challenge you to get on an aircraft and fly around the world for 15 hours, get off the other side, walk into a country where you can't even read the signposts because they're in a different language, where everybody's reading their emails from right to left, speaking with parts of their throat that you didn't even know existed, and yet find your own story inside the relics of an ancient city, inside the relics of Jerusalem and the land of Israel. So I invite you to come and join us and to make that journey, and I hope to see you all very soon in the land of Israel. Every time I hear him speak, I, I learn something. And uh, I mean, just think, something as small as your thumbnail is just another thing that they've relatively recently found that proves the Bible. And they continue to find these architects, the, the archaeological digs, they find things that prove the Bible. And so it's, it's a, such a blessing. I, I'll never forget the time I took Mac with me to Israel. And he had been told by a pastor to learn to write songs uh, to lead people in worship by reading the Psalms. And so he and I were standing on a, uh, on a scaffolding uh, inside what they think is the palace of David. And I just said, Mac, just imagine you know, just see in your mind's eye, David sitting over here in the corner on a pile of pillows, writing a psalm for worship. And, and that really connected with him, that related to him, and, and that's just an image that he keeps in his mind. And I promise you, 
you, you have those kind of experiences. You, and, and it's amazing to hear different stories and people will say, yeah, it was at that spot uh, where Gideon uh, whittled everybody down to 300 soldiers or it was this spot or that spot. I mean, to be where Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, to be where Jesus had his religious trials on the night he was arrested, uh, to, to walk that pathway it's just overwhelming. So I'm thankful for Ariza, for his ministry and for what he does. And, uh, and this is why I want people to experience it firsthand. So it deepens your faith. It deepens your confidence that the Bible is true and can be trusted. So after we uh, have our uh, worship time and collect the offering, uh, Ariza and I'll be here at the front. If you just want to ask some more questions or or interest in this trip, just come up here and talk, talk to him for a few moments. We'll stay as long as you need us to. But uh, God bless you today. Let's, uh, let's have a prayer for our offering and for our last time of worship. Father, you are so special um, because you are you're God. You're our Heavenly Father. You are the Father of our Savior. And Thank you that you've allowed there to be the evidence, the physical evidence that speak of the truth of your word so that when we study the Bible, it just it, it comes alive to us. And uh, when we read statements and, and they, we know this place exists, They've, they have found this city or they have found this event, they have found this you know, remnants of this person. And so we thank you for this so it strengthens our faith. Now, I pray for the offering. Let it be used for your glory. Uh, it's an act of worship on our part. Thank you for the privilege of singing worship songs to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.